Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 577 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, and we are 28 days away from the NHL draft, and yesterday... Trent Mann, the Sens head scout, went on TSN 1200, had a lot of interesting notes about what we could potentially expect at the top of the draft and what was the team's philosophy back in 2021. And Ross, we're going to have a lot of interesting notes on two good prospects today as we're in the early 20s of our rankings. Yes, so let's get into all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Thursday, June 9th. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help us grow the show is to like the video by clicking the thumbs up below, subscribing to the Locked On Senators YouTube channel, and leave us a comment. Our comment we want to know today is where are the Sens going to pick in the first round? Will it be above seven? Will it be at seven? Or will they trade down, Pilsy? What's your answer to that? I'm still, uh, my mind's still in a pretzel about the up and down (laughs) thing. Up is a positive thing. If you're trading up, you're getting a better pick. If you're trading down, you're getting a worse pick in my mind. Yeah. Have we confirmed or denied that? I think that we're on the same page now. Okay, now we are. Okay, good. Trading up would be trading from seven to two. Yes. Okay, perfect. There we go. Will the Sens do that? Because Trent Mann told TSN 1200... That the Devils general manager, Tom Fitzgerald, he mentioned him by name. He said, Tom Fitzgerald, send the media. They're Dummy. open to trading that that number two pick. Maybe get a little Kachuk family magic in there because the Devils GM is Brady Kachuk's cousin. True, true. Yeah, and we, we know the friendship and family tour <laughs> yeah. always continues on with the Sens. And hey, Ottawa Senators general manager, Pierre Dorian, made it public that he was willing to trade the seventh overall pick. So... We've got some public uh, promises or at least uh, options open here. And there could be something happening there. I really think it's it's so hard to move picks that early in the draft that I don't think it's going to happen. Like, when's the last time we saw something like that happen? Like, we've seen picks that early in the draft be moved. But typically, it's, it's for roster players, right? Like, what yes. comes to mind is Vancouver Canucks moving ninth overall. Uh, in that package to acquire uh, Ekman Larson and, oh, and Garland, right? Yeah, I was going way further back with the yeah, Devils. You, when yeah, you were going way well. far back. Yeah, yeah, um, no, that's fair. Well, Ristolainen as well was traded for what the eleventh overall pick last year. But that was well, before, he was traded before the pick was known, right? Oh tr- no, no, it was the day before. Remember, we were biking to that sub oh, okay. shop in, in Collingwood. All right. Well, and we were like, thank God it wasn't the Sens that pulled the trigger on that one. Yeah. Okay. So that happened differently than I thought. So yeah, exactly. Like when I can't even think of the last time two trades, the two picks in the top 10 were swapped. Like, right. 
no time in recent memory. Like the only time I can think of is going all the way back to the Sedines when they were drafted. And uh, Brian Burke, if you haven't, if you don't know this story, go read Brian Burke's book or look it up. The story of how he had to finesse other GMs to get the proper draft picks and line everything up to get both the Sedines is an absolutely wild tale. I highly recommend looking into that. But that's the only time I can think of where something like that has happened. I mean... (laughs) Not only did he have to, not only did he have to finagle other GMs, but another GM for that of the Atlanta Thrashers in 1999 had to kind of do it himself as well because they drafted Patrick Stefan, leading both Sedins on the board. And they were adamant that they wanted Stefan, not either one of the Sedins. So that. That's a head scratch. Talk, talk about trades at the top of the draft. This is in a rabbit hole. We're already off the rails. We're five minutes into the show. <laughs> Pilsy, look, like I got to pull this up. And again, it's Wikipedia. So I was just trying to be quick and see who drafted Patrick Stepan. Talk about trades at the top of the draft. Look at this. Atlanta from Vancouver via Van- or Atlanta from Tampa via Vancouver. Vancouver from Atlanta. Vancouver. Rangers from Chicago via Vancouver and Tampa. Islanders from LA. Rangers from Calgary. Islanders from Montreal. Calgary from the Rangers. Those are all trades in the top 11. So give me that sort of chaos, Pilsy. I need it this year. But listening to Trent Mann, there might be some chaos at the top of the draft because he just spent a week with all the other scouting teams at the Combine. And he said it himself, there is an open discussion among scouts at who is the number one pick in this draft. And I feel like that's fair. Like Shane Wright has been kind of the consensus guy along the season, but Slavkovsky has really changed a lot of people's minds. And I think at this point, Ross, it's more, what what is your team looking for in a top draft pick? Like, are you looking for a guy you can pretty much pencil in as, as a top to centerman in Shane Wright, or are you looking to bolster up your wings in a guy like Slavkowski? So I think that's where there can be some some divide, but I, I would be so shocked if the Montreal Canadiens didn't select Shane Wright. Like that's where that's where the lines blur between a mock draft and draft draft rankings, right? That's right. where you got to look at where is the team selecting, what are their needs, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just think Maybe Slavkovsky might be the number one draft ranked guy, but as far as mock drafts go, I, I just see him going to Montreal. It just makes a lot of sense. Little teaser for the draft mock draft that we are going to do on this show next Saturday. So we've got some interviews planned. We're going to have special guests along the way, but it would shock me if our guest, who's going to help us out with the first five picks, goes any direction but Shane Wright. But I did find it interesting that Trent Mann said that within the scouting community, there is a serious divide. Who could be the number one overall pick? Even mentioning that one of the two defensemen could go earlier than you think in Simon Nemich and David Juracek as well. Two very, very solid players. Now, I want to get into the 2021 draft. I know it caused a bit of a stir on social media, and then we'll get back to our draft rankings. We've got a Western Hockey League kid. you got to already know he's six foot five, big-time defenseman. Manitoba boy. Oh, sure is. Played for the old Winnipeg prep school here. And then we've got uh, an absolute sniper from the USNTDP. I know Sens fans' ears started perking up. Oh, the national program? You talking talking the program? Oh, (laughs) we got guys from the program. So, again, uh, an interesting prospect here who is ranked as high as 10th and as low as, like, 
end of the first round. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. But when it comes to the 2021 draft for Trent Mann, and you just look at the names on it from Tyler Boucher at 10 to Ben Roger at 49, trading down when you had opportunities to draft my guy, Luca Pinelli. And you're, you're is it Luca Pinelli or is he, he the guy in the 67s? I think he's the younger brother. Yeah, I think it's Luca uh, Luca Pinelli. That's at least that rings a bell for me. No, because Francesco. Francesco. Pinelli. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I knew it was it was some uh, Italian uh, name there. Shout out to the sixty sevens, right? Because Luca Pinelli is going to be a stud there next year. Sorry, my guy Francesco. He must be my guy then, if I know. Yeah, your guy. <laughs> and then you had Atu Ratti yes. on the board, and, and the Sens passed on them a, about a million times, trading back, and then. Ultimately, deciding Zach Austin Chuck, which looks good now. I mean, I'm down. I'm down for the Austin Chuck selection. Out of all the players, Austin Chuck has certainly raised his value the most this season. But Definitely. Trent Mann wasn't worried about this season. He made it clear that they took a long term philosophy going in, and I think all scouts should take a long term. But it seemed like they were like specifically going away from players that they thought could help too soon. Like, what the hell is that? You know what, Pierre? We've got a great player here, but I think he's going to be NHL ready too soon. He's too good. Let's dial things back here. You don't even have to say good player. You can just say Cole Sillinger, the next pick who played, what, 65 NHL games this year? And Ross, that was my guy. That's who That's who I had penciled in. And a lot of people in the scouting community and online were, were shocked they passed on him as well. We could have saved ourselves a lot of vitriol between us and Scott Wheeler if the sense just took Cole Sillinger. He loved that kid. Right and rightfully so. Again, this is not a Tyler Boucher knock. This, this is right. not what this is about. It's more about looking at the philosophy. And look, here's the thing: when Trent Mann goes on air and says that, I know Sens fans' heads are spinning, and they're like, "We're the only organization that doesn't draft best player available," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know what? That's fair. That's a fine thought process to have and to be upset about because. You want to get the best, like if you could get best player available from rounds one through seven, that's an that's an amazing draft, and you got to be happy with that, and that's fine. But I think what sends, or not, I shouldn't say sends fans, fans in general don't always think is organizations. They are thinking so many steps ahead, like they're thinking years down the road. They're not thinking about right now, and I think another thing people forget is sometimes players are drafted to be in support roles. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but sometimes you're like, hey, this guy I think could be a great player, a fringe NHLer, a great support player in the minors to help support some of our other bigger prospects that will need that along the way. Maybe this guy isn't going to put up big points, but he's going to be great defensively. He's going to be a great playmaker. We can put him here. We can put him there. So there's so many different aspects to think of that maybe you the Sens don't always go for the the best shiny prospect, but they've got other things in mind. And hey, am I saying that's a smart way to draft? Am I saying that's the best way to draft? No, I'm not saying that. But what I will say is I have respect for the Sens sticking to their guns and not giving a damn what everyone online thinks about their process because they're the pros. They're the ones that do this. They're the ones that spend their lives working on this, creating this craft and being able to scout a certain way. And if that's what they believe in, then you got to go for it. Shout out to our boys, the Centennial podcast. They uh, posted a written summary of the Treadman interview. You can find that on Reddit. The direct quote there is, he says that they felt they had some time with players like Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla jumping into the NHL right away, that 
they were all right with, you know, putting a guy back for two, three, four seasons. He even mentioned the salary cap being considered. That to me was just nuts. You're not like drafting a player who hasn't even signed his entry level, which you're guaranteed three years out of. I mean, like we got to worry about the cap. The cap's $84 million, man. Like, I don't think that taking the best player available is going to really put you in a pretzel. I think that you might have to look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. What screwed up their cap was not their drafting. It was bringing in a, um, the Fairmont Chris Tierney <laughs> in, into the mix there. But in all seriousness, like, I, I couldn't believe when I heard him say that. To me, but that I was th- that was nuts. If I'm going to use my elite Sens brain, Ross, to uh, yeah. translate that sentence, the Sens aren't worried about the cap. They're worried about right, real dollars, dude, right? That, that's that's what, admitting. That's it's, what he's saying is they're worried about real dollars and dude, how it's all going to line up. Again, I'm not players. saying it's right. I'm just trying to figure out what he's trying to say. Here. The best players make the most money. So by saying you have to worry about the salary cap when you're drafting, you are admitting that you're not taking the best player or who you think could be the best player. Because if he pans out, which is still a big if, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to pay him more than the player you decided to take. Or you just wait till Sens fans absolutely adore him. Then you ship him out of town when he needs his contract. Unbelievable. <laughs> that to me was like the one answer that really kind of blew my mind. Now to get back to a bit more of a positive note on Tyler Boucher, uh, th- this sounds like a little bit of polishing if you ask me, but pe- a lot of different hockey people have said the 67s became a completely different team when he got there. 14 points in 21 games. But I mean, uh, again, he had a tough year and I'm ready to, I'm here for the Boucher coming out party next season. But it sounds like he might even play in the AHL next year, which I think would be a mistake. Let him go and feel good about his game. Like this is a guy who's he struggled to make the jump to the NCAA. Such a broken up couple seasons here. Like he just needs one good consistent season. Hundred percent. Then Trent Mann went on and said, "I don't want to compare him to Tom Wilson. It's it's unfair." And then he goes on to say, but Tom Wilson didn't have a great <laughs> But here's some Tom Wilson comparables. <laughs> and, and yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, Cole Cylinder is NHL-ready guy. He has a great shot, offensive capabilities there. But the Sens felt that they weren't in a position where they needed a guy like that right away. So they banked on long-term um, development in Tyler Boucher, hoping that he can be a role player further down the road. Now I know as soon as I say that sense fans are screaming, saying a role player at 10th overall. Like, and I get it. Fact. It's frustrating. It definitely is, but you have to appreciate what, what the sense are trying to do here. And they're trying to find guys that can fill spots in their mind later on down the road, whether that's the right or wrong way to approach this remains to be seen. Pilsy, they're going to do it this year. They're going to take the best players on everybody's list. No, they're going they're absolutely to... not. Oh, yeah, man. No. Oh, with the few picks they have once they get... Um, let's let's throw out... No, the, Ross, when the draft is next, happening, I'm going to have Fiala. Hockey DB open because we won't know who the player is. He won't be in the top 64 for all their picks. So I swear to I'm God, if, on that. if they don't pick one of our players, I'm going to freak out. I might jump off the cruise ship I'm on. I might do it. <laughs> like, all this homework, and we'll get to it in a little bit. Like, I'd be happy with either of the players today, but give me oh, anyone boy. on our top 64. Just give us a name we know. That's Just it. so we can be like, I know that guy. It is a yearly tradition, eh? Like every single it, pick. It literally is. Even yeah. like, 
Did we profile Roby Jarventi? I think we did, but it was like a lot further down. But I just remember, yeah. like even early. No, we did. We picks. did. Because Ross, the one thing when the oh, Sens yeah. drafted Roby Jarventi, I was like, "There's one quote that I remember, and it was JD, it was JD Burke, Burke saying, yeah. I I scouted Jarventi today, and it was an absolute dog shit performance. <laughs> like that's the only thing I remembered about him. But I was like, sick second round selection for the Sens. Yeah. Oh, we're all in on Roby. Although, yeah, talking yeah. about some prospects who are in like that B plot B B. I was going to give him a B plus. That was a little. A He's B still plus so bias. young, though. Don't be so down. Right. No, so no, I'm young. not. But yeah. could he be the kind of guy who you throw in and get some value in, in a trade? Because, like, I think him so. and Igor, it just doesn't seem likely that they're both going to be NHLers at the same and time. Igor's so much ahead of him. All right. Not only in the physical maturity, obviously, he was drafted as a double overager, too. So he's got yeah. like two plus years on him, but he's also a friend of the show. So that puts him and, way up. And friend of every human on earth. No doubt. And we know that Igor has done a lot to get his body in the right place, trimming down. And a lot of that, I would imagine, has to be attributed to Athletic Greens, Pillsy. I know you use it every day as well. Yes, Athletic Greens is a great way to start off your morning. And if Igor is doing that, he's getting 75 different vitamins, minerals, superfoods. And there's so many good health benefits to AG1 from Athletic Greens. And I'm I say it every time, but I'm not kidding. This is something I do every day. And why? I'm a simple dude. You know that, Ross. It's easy and simple. All you have to do is take one scoop of AG1 and put it in your water, mix it up, and start your day off that. Have it before breakfast to get all those good things in your body right away. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All those things, that is a lot of benefits. It's lifestyle friendly, guys. So keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you're good. You can have AG1. Contains less than one gram of sugar, which is so surprising for me because I think it still tastes great. Supports better sleep quality and helps your mental clarity and alertness. That's why I'm always so on the ball on the podcast, Ross. I got my AG1 going. And the best, I think a really great thing about it is it costs less than $3 a day. So if you go to Starbucks every day for a coffee, that's more expensive and not as good for your health as AG1. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop uh, into your cup of water every day. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. That's a year supply, guys, and five free travel packs. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. One more time, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance from Athletic Greens. You are listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller, and we'd like to give some stick taps out to some other Locked On shows on our channel because we've officially been joined in the 1K Club on YouTube, and it was a sprint, like three right across the finish line at the same time. You absolutely love to see it. So the, the Locked On Leafs, Locked On Canadiens, and Locked On Avalanche, all surpassing a thousand subscribers. A little, a little clap it up for them. That's good stuff. Want to get this show rolling, this channel completely locked in by next September. So go and throw them a subscription wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Next up, 
Our boy Seth Tupal and the Locked On Wild show is inching closer. We know all the Send Central citizens out there loved when Seth yep. joined us. And I'm going to jump on with him next week, actually. And we're going to discuss Kevin Fiala trade nice. possibilities and what could be going back the other way. So wanted to get that out there before we get back to our draft rankings. All right, Pilsy, here we go on the draft rankings coming in at number 24 with an average rank of 29, a big Manitoba boy, Owen Pickering from the Swift Current Broncos. And big is certainly right, Ross, at six foot four. He is a towering defenseman, but he hit a massive growth spurt. So he still hasn't added kind of the muscle to fill out that frame. I got him listed at 179 pounds. He is a left shot defenseman playing with the Swift Current Broncos. In 62 games last year, he had nine goals, 24 assists, good for 33 points. And as uh, Ross is pulling the graphic up here on YouTube, yeah, Cousins with uh, Denton uh, Matejchuk is uh, is an interesting we'll note to, to Ross. And uh, Cam Robinson's article, and since we're mentioning family notes, I just want to throw this in quickly. His dad, uh, Owen Pickering's dad, set the record for most PIMS by a goalie in Junior C. <laughs> no a, way! What an absolute record to have. It's like the happy Gilmore. Like, yeah, I've set a couple records. I tried to stab a guy with my skate once. <laughs> like that's <laughs> Owen Pickering's dad is like, yeah, as a goalie in Junior C, I got more PIMS than anyone else. Suck on that. That is an unbelievable stat to pull out there. Yeah. And hey, people are impressed with Owen Pickering's game. I'll tell you right off the bat, he's a fantastic skater. Otherwise, elite prospects would not have him at 15th on their board. Craig Button has him at 19th. Tony Ferrari has him at 21. Corey Prodman has him at 24. Chris Peters has him at 35. Bob McKenzie at 36. And Pilsy, we're going to get some quotes from Scott Wheeler because he's got him all the way down at 53. So what would have been a range from 15 to 36 now becomes a range. Pilsy, I will guarantee you this. He will go somewhere between 15 and 53. I guarantee it. That is a bold guarantee. We'll we'll see how, <laughs> we'll see how that goes, but I Ross, if if you're asking me, I would put him a lot closer to 15 than I would 53. There are a lot of things I like about Owen Pickering's game. Now, he has major offenseman vibes. Like when I was watching uh, highlights of him, it's just what he's able to do in the offensive zone is very impressive. Like he uses a strong wrist shot. Like he uses that big frame and he really puts a lot of power into his wrist shot and loads it up. Like he, he needs a, like a second or two and some time and space to get that wrist shot off. Cause he puts a lot into it and he likes to glide in and load up that wrist shot. And, what I found really interesting about Owen Pickering that not a lot of defensemen do is he's able to find himself slipping unwatched past defenders when he goes in for a pinch. Like, you know, when a defenseman goes in for a pinch, usually it's just knock the puck in a little farther past the the forward on the wall. Maybe if it's a loose puck, go for it, but then wait for help to come and then get back to your post, right? And, that, and that's fine. That's proper. That's proper defending. That's a good pinch. What Pickering does is... When he is finished poking that puck and the teams are expecting him to go back to his post, he just hangs out for a little bit. And then he waits for the play to develop. Okay, play is developing. Everyone forgets about him. He's now just snuck behind all the other opponents. He's sitting back door at the side of the net waiting and he's wide open. And if teammates have the awareness to notice him, it's an easy goal. Like 
I, I must have counted four or five highlights, Ross, where he does that. And sure, it's risky because if you don't trust your forward to cover your pinch, then you look terrible sitting at the front of the net while the other team goes back and transition on a three-on-one against your other your poor other defenseman. But when it works, it, it's an incredible play because no one is covering him and everyone is puck watching. So that's one thing I really found uh, interesting about Owen Pickering. And everything that opens up offensively out of his game comes from his skating. Long strides, able to look effortless out there. And that's huge because like we saw with Lamoureux and to a lesser extent, a couple other guys on this list, as you're growing so fast into these enormous frames, it's hard to keep your coordination the same way. You mentioned it yourself. He's gone through an enormous growth spurt. We talk about all these other guys being like top five, top 10 picks into, into the WHL, the OHL. This guy was a ninth round selection yeah. into the WHL. So the amount of strides, pardon the pun, great skater, but he's taken since getting to Swift Current has been unbelievable. He was named one of the top three players for Canada at the world under 18. So he's clearly taken on this leadership role wherever he goes. And it's unfortunate that Swift Current was such an average team. I think I'm being a little friendly when I was I'm saying say- that. Low average, probably. So um, put him on the Edmonton Oil Kings, who have continued their dominance throughout this postseason. And I think you're looking at a player who has really confirmed his stock as a top 15 pick. I was watching the Elite Prospects draft meetings that are on YouTube. Great tool to watch there. And Mitch Brown says he believes an NHL team will pick him within the top 10. So we say the range is 15 to 53. I just pulled up my notes there. Mitch Brown says... Don't be surprised if he is a top 10 pick in this National Hockey League draft because he is so raw and his his like mold, there's so much to like. You have that combination and maybe Sens fans are sitting there like, hmm, great skater, uh, huge, but not a whole lot of point production. Like, are you looking at Ben Roger? No, this guy is is completely like he's able to manipulate the way he comes out and breaks out of the zone. Like he doesn't take the same route every time. Like when I'm watching this guy and how many of these goal highlights start with him shaking one defenseman inside his own zone and then boom, quick up ice pass. So to me, I'm seeing elite hockey IQ along with this raw frame that you can just, this putty that you'll be able to just bring in to whatever you need to do. But at the same time, Cam Robinson called his game mature. And I think that's what he's talking about is that, in his decision-making on the ice, he always knows not only what the next play is going to be, but two or three after that. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people are down in his point production, Ross, but I don't know, 33 points isn't that bad for a defenseman, especially a defenseman on, on a bad team, right? Like, he, he finished the season a dash 29. So I think that can tell you what the situation was in Swift Current there. And he was well, playing... I, can t- I can tell you the exact situation. They won 26 out of 68 games. Yeah, so not a lot of help for him. And, and I, I thought he he did a decent job in, in the spot he was put in. And it's, it's so fun. Like, he plays like a six-foot, 180-pound defenseman. Like, he doesn't know or can't comprehend how big he is. That's how much of a growth spurt he has. Like, he doesn't play a big physical game. He skates like a smaller defenseman. He plays a more offensive role. He's not a guy out there that's boxing out guys or winning uh, puck battles in the corner. Like, give him some time. Like you said, he's there's so much raw talent there. Give him some time to figure out this frame. 
and you're going to have an offensive defenseman with size. And that is something that you don't always see. And he's a good skater even now. So give him more time to understand his body. Now he's going to have to learn how to skate with that big frame with more muscle on it, which is going to change things for him. But I'm a believer in Pickering here. And I think once he, uh, once he figures out how to fully put it all together, I think there's a lot of potential here. Now top 10, that's probably pushing it, but Definitely, I wouldn't be surprised. Like he's he's going to be a first rounder in my mind, oh, and I yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's in the twenties somewhere because this is a guy that could really jumpstart your decor prospect wise. Hundred percent. Now Corey Pryman, who's doing player comparables, he has Travis Sanheim here, who took a little while to get going after having yeah. some pedigree coming out of junior, but he's established himself now as a top four defenseman. Now let's get to Scott Wheeler, right? Because it's always fun hearing what the one outlier has to say, and in this case. That's Wheeler having him down at 53. He says the offensive production doesn't jump out at you, but his long effortless skating does. He's one of the smoothest smoothest gliders in the draft. There's still some work to do in terms of the element um, to his unremarkable game inside the offense of the zone, but he's productive on a low-scoring team. Point shot is hard. I wouldn't balk on taking him in the 30s, but his ceiling is as more of a complementary defenseman at the next level, and it leaves him lower than most so he sees him more as a guy that you pair with a great defenseman not one that can become one himself yeah and that's interesting I I wonder what like even with those comments Ross like all the way down at 53 I'll put it on the notes we'll ask him yeah it's it's pretty low so I'd be interested to, to hear why he didn't just go like early second round like 35 or something like that you know you know what I mean like it just seems that's such a drop-off here compared to everyone else. And it's so funny because the next prospect we're going to do in a couple minutes... Scott's way high on, yeah. Way high on. So the um, the uh, irony there is is pretty prevalent. So let's take a look at his statistical profile here when we get back to Owen Pickering, as I can pull up here. But what I love about him, too, is... Uh, I just think that he's a guy, yeah, sure, he'll probably take a couple of years, I think, to get going. But once he gets there, I'm I'm so confident that he's the type of defenseman where because you're not relying on the point totals, once he gets to the NHL level, he'll be the type of guy who you're you're not gonna have to worry about too much. Like I think that the skating is gonna help translate into an NHLer quicker than maybe some realize. He's also one of the old players in the draft, January 27th, 2004, as we mentioned, from St. Adolph in Manitoba. Um, grew up playing as well for the Eastman Selects, a little bit of the Rink Hockey Academy here in Winnipeg. And then he got to play all the game in the bubble last year, and, and he did okay, I think. But you can certainly see this year, he was a little more confident with the puck, moving it, and then two points in four games with Team Canada at the under 18. So I'm pretty I'm pretty impressed with him. I'm giving him three and a half stars. I think it would be a solid complimentary piece. Again, if the Senators trade back, I, I think seven would be a little too rich for my blood. But at the same time, I see what the fuss is about. I see the raw tools. I see the potential for an extremely high ceiling. I definitely see it more than Scott Wheeler in, in the little while that I was watching film and then listen to the elite prospects guys. But again, I got to tone it down because the elite prospects guys are higher on him than anybody else. So somewhere in the mushy middle is, is in all likelihood where he ends up. But again, I could see just based on the frame and the fact that his rise has been so progressive over the last two, three seasons that a team could be like, okay, if that trajectory keeps on going, this could be a real good player. So three and a half stars for me. 
Yeah, and I think if if you put Pickering on a better team, like you mentioned, he's probably getting 50 points. And then we're not talking about the point totals being so down. So I'm not really looking at that and being like, "Ah, I didn't get many points. I'm going to knock him down a couple pegs. That's not really a thing for me. And I... I just think his ability to use that wrist shot, his ability to sneak past defenders, and he can make a really good first pass. He can make cross-ice passes in the offensive zone. Like, I, I'm on a different page than Wheeler. I think he he is great in the offensive zone. So that's that's definitely something we're going to make note of to, to chat with Wheeler about because it's very interesting there. I got him at four stars, Ross, and... I don't know. I don't know how the Sens would get in a spot where they could select them. So that's why I didn't give him four and a half or or even higher. But uh, I just think this would be a great option for your first uh, defenseman drafted of this draft. Like that, I would I would be very happy with that. So four stars for me. We're going to get right back to the countdown, but first a word from our friends at Built Bar. It's the protein bar you know and love. It's Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And what's best about Built Bar in the summer is that you can take it with you wherever. It's the easiest snack. Like right now I'm recording and then running off to work. So of course I've got my Built Bar with me because it's breakfast on the go. It gives me all the protein I need, but I don't feel like I'm cheating myself because it's not overly caloric. It's not fatty. It is the healthy, nutritional, but also delicious protein bar. All Built Bars and Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. And have you tried the Built Puffs yet? I'm going crazy for the churro puffs. Who doesn't want churro and protein in the same go? They're only 140 calories. Sign me up. And you can sign up too by going to Built.com. Get all your flavors there. We also recommend the mixed box of Built Bars. That way, for your first order, you can try them all. And then decide which one you like best. So go to built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. That's built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. All right, Pilsy, we will get back to the countdown in just one minute, but we are obviously in speculation season and... I'm curious with with Kevin Fiala. Are you still all in on Kevin Fiala? I I am, but my excitement is wavering because I just really see him going to the Devils. Like I know. I, that just makes too much sense. And then Minnesota could get that second second overall pick if that's a part of the package, and then Ooh, that helps their cap space. Ooh, that's a lot to give up. Like I know he's good, but. Second overall for Kevin Fiala? I'm not suggesting a one-for-one. Like, I think there would be a package done here. Right, but I think Minnesota would have to add to that package. Yeah, may, yeah, possibly. Yeah, which Minnesota has has a lot they've got going on. So if, if yeah. that frees things up for them, I think maybe they would do that. Interesting. Well, the reason I brought up Fiala is because he's a scorer just like this next player on our draft. Coming in at number 23. On our Locked On podcast draft rankings. With an average of 25.14. So there's a bit of a tier here because Pickering was 29. Now we're jumping up to an average of 25.14 from the U.S. National Team Development Program. Left winger, Isaac Howard. So right away, you know the Sens are going to be interested in him. He's from the program. Yeah, definitely uh, Trent Mann will will have eyes on uh, Isaac Howard here, and for good reason. I mean, this guy, he's a bit on the smaller side height-wise. I got him listed at 5'10", but then you look at the weight, 183 pounds. So, Ross, (laughs) just for comparison's sake, 
Owen Pickering, six foot four, so he has quick six. math six inches on Howard, and Howard is four pounds heavier. <laughs> so that just gives you goes to show that Pickering needs to grow into his frame, and Howard has kind of filled out his frame. Maybe he grows another inch or two with time. Who knows? But he's got that stronger lower frame. With the USA U18 team, it, he's got 60 games played, 33 goals, 49 assists, 82 points in 60 games played, Ross. And just for completeness sake, to, to put his USHL stats in there as well, 27 games played, 11 goals, 26 points, good for 37, or sorry, 26 assists, good for 37 points. So this guy played 87 games and had... 109 points if 82 plus 37 I don't know 119 109 something like that um but just an astronomical amount of points for Isaac Howard let's just say that we're not math guys on this show an astronomical range for Isaac Howard as well we told you that Scott Wheeler was higher on him than most he has him at 10th overall Chris Peters has him at 12th Bob McKenzie has him at 15th and I pause there because we got to go all the way to the end of the first round to get the next guy. Tony Ferrari at 28, Corey Pronman at 31, Elite Prospects at 39, and then Craig Button at 41. So it all averages out to 25.14. Isaac Howard is committed to the University of Minnesota Duluth, to the Bulldogs, a nice rival team of the University of North Dakota. I got to, that was the matchup I actually got to see this past year. So he's going to a great program. He's going to get great coaching there, of course, but. With that, you're looking at an offensive player, undersized type conversation. And that, to me, is where the conversation starts because, of course, that means Scott Wheeler absolutely adores him. But see, I don't put the undersized label on Howard because of that weight, because of that strength. Like, he doesn't play like an undersized player who it's like, all right, kid, if you're going to make it, you better be evasive, you better be shifty, and you better be explosive. I wouldn't really say those are the characteristics that make Isaac Howard successful. He has incredible hockey IQ and awareness. He's a dual shoot uh, pass threat. Like, sure, he puts up goals 33, but don't forget those 49 assists that he has. And in the EP Let's Watch scouting video with David uh, St. Louis, he does a great job. I definitely uh, recommend watching those. He highlights how Howard creates space for him and his teammates by being able to read the play. Like he's able to attack the middle of the ice and he's always managing to get into high danger scoring opportunities. And he's just able to kind of think one step ahead of where the play is going to go and puts himself in a position to create space for his teammates. Like things that when you're watching a hockey game, it's so fluid and it's happening so fast. You don't really think about. So in the let's watch videos, he slows it down, pauses, rewinds, and then explains why him just shifting over a little bit to the left is such a incredibly smart play, even though it just like, it's a nothing play in, in the, in the game of hockey. But if you're able to do those small little things correct over and over and over, you're eventually going to add all those up to creating great scoring chances. And that's what Isaac Howard is all about. Yeah, no doubt. And Scott Wheeler admits in his write up here, he goes, he's a top 10 talent who will likely be available into the teens and maybe even the twenties. Mm-hmm. Even though he's short, he's a long way from small. He's got yeah, that muscular okay. build, sturdy on his feet. And he's so dangerous with the puck. As you said, he not only creates because he has such an elite shot, but it also gives him space to find teammates 
And he's got that sense of arriving in that the right spot. I'm not saying he's Danny Heatley, but that he Danny Heatley is the most elite at doing that. Just being in the the spot well, he does. Yeah. where you can find him and he can put in the back of the net. He's lethal in the home plate area, Scott says. And uh, he's going to have that power play specialist title, if nothing else. So you're drafting a guy with elite upside, I would say, in this player. It's just, can he... Can he warrant the five-on-five production to be a top six forward at the National Hockey League level? And if you're drafting him in the top 15, you better hope he does. Unless you're the Sens and you're hoping he's a role player three years down the road. Yeah, you don't Uh, want that salary cap implication. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, I, I think he can, Ross, because all we've been talking about is the offense so far. He also uses that hockey IQ defensively. Like in that video, I saw a play where... I love this kind of stuff. The it was a they turned the puck over. They were in the O zone. US was and they turned the puck over. And the Canadian defender has the puck. He's ready to wrap it around the boards to clear it. And Isaac Howard lifts his stick up, not even thinking about getting that puck for himself. He lifts the stick up, timed it perfectly so that his teammate could strip the puck from the Canadian defender. Like that's the kind of one step forward thinking that he has. Like most players, they're just like. How do I get the puck from this defender? He's thinking, how can I allow my teammate to get the puck from this defender? And those are the kind of smart things that not everyone gets. And he's always uh, able, he's always conscious, sorry, of getting into the passing lanes. Like that's another thing they highlighted is watch. Maybe it looks like he's kind of lackadaisical and not really doing anything, but he's not skating hard on the back check because he's keeping in mind, I'm going to block the passing lane for the trailing forward coming in. And that's, again, that's just a nod to his hockey IQ. No doubt. As we pull up his elite prospects page, uh, you love, do you love or do you hate it? Number three on a forward? How do we feel about that? I'm, I'm not a big numbers guy, but I will say that is weird. Yeah, no doubt. Well, those jerseys are slick, though, I will say. Yeah, I like watching those on jerseys. YouTube. Yeah. Um, we got to start stop chirping the Quebec jerseys, by the way. We've got some comments. Nobody likes that. Um, <laughs> March 30th, 2004, birthday from Wisconsin. Um, 5'10", 181 pounds here listed. Left shot, left winger. The range, as you can see here, it's, uh, it's tremendous. And uh, EP Ringside calling him an offensive dynamo. Howard has a natural instinct. For scoring goals. He's a deceptive shooter, changing the angle on goalies before ripping pucks home. His stats profile, he went to Shattuck St. Mary's to the under 16 and under 14 program. And this guy has just scored goals every single place he's gone. So what's to say he's not going to continue that at the University of Minnesota Duluth? Even, even in the under 18s, six goals, 11 points in six games. Of course, they lost in the final to Team Sweden. But all in all, this guy is just an offensive catalyst. And one thing that Wheeler also mentions is how good he is at drawing penalties. And if you're undersized, if you're sturdy on your feet, if you're able to protect the puck, that's what's going to happen. People are going to start reaching in and try to, try to, you know, that's what happens to Timmy. He's so good at, at puck possession. You don't have a choice. He's, he's drawing penalties. Yeah. You don't have a choice. So um, I'm a big fan of Howard. I'm going to give him four stars. I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the Sens even took him at seven. I really wouldn't. <laughs> so, I, I would be a little shocked if they took him at seven, but I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be outraged because there's so much potential to work with here. And what I like about Isaac Howard is he's, he he can do so many different things. Like he's the type of guy that can drive a line or if, and and they highlighted this in the let's watch video. If you're on a line with a guy like uh, Nazar, he's going to be driving line, but 
Isaac Howard can also complement a guy that drives the line. Like he doesn't have to have the puck on a stick all the time to be effective. He can work in other ways to help his teammate out. So I got him at four stars as well, Ross. And usually I dock guys that I'm like, ah, I don't see how the Sens are going to draft him. If the Sens wanted to push some chips in and uh, trade up in the draft and select him, I'd be down for that because I, <laughs> you're, you're muted. What'd you say there? Trade up? Yes, trade up. No, it's down. I thought we clarified this at the start of the I episode. thought we clarified this too. They're tra- if they're trading up from 39, I'm saying, not down oh, from 7. Oh, okay, okay, Ooh, okay, okay. I thought we had a whole other we spin zone. I thought going we were here. back. No, yeah, I thought no, we were no, back no. in the vortex. No, we're out of the vortex. I'm talking trading up from 39. I don't I don't want them to trade down from from 7. I Right. I don't think that's a great play. So, um Yeah, I got him at four stars here. I I think he's a great player. I think I can just picture him playing on a line with Timmy. Like, that would just be incredible. So, I like Isaac Howard a lot. Hope you enjoyed today's countdown. We'll be back tomorrow with more. We're going, I mean, slow and steady wins the race here once we've gotten to the 20s. But if you're just joining us right now, we've got every single one of our profiles up on our YouTube page. We have 45 so far. It'll go even higher. And we've got a couple good ones tomorrow. You know what? Spoiler alert, but when you have a name this good, tomorrow one of our prospects' name is Rutger McGrory. I mean, do with that information what you will. A teammate of Isaac Howard's at the U.S. and TDP. So stay tuned for all that. We're still hoping and praying that we get a re-signing here soon, whether it's Formanton, Brandstrom, maybe Josh Norris. I Yo, mean, Seth lots. even, also. Yeah, anybody. Just throw us a bone, but yeah. we know that this next couple weeks are some of the busiest for hockey operations across the National Hockey League as we are 28 days away from the NHL draft. So stick around tomorrow. Again, please be a friend, tell a friend, subscribe to Locked On Senators on YouTube and wherever you download your podcast. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.